Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. Why do I want to use any and every substance available to man to not be in a straight state of mind? That's what I had to ask mm-hmm. myself, you know, what is it about life or, or, or sitting in my own thoughts that is so depressing? What, what am I avoiding? What trauma did it, did it go through? All these things. Um, and yeah, a, a ton of it is self-esteem, unrealistic expectations. And that was Kyle Rajiri. Kyle lives in Rochester, New York, and I ended up coming across his YouTube channel, Sober Dog, link below, by the way. And he's just got a cool, raw, authentic take on what he does and what he talks about as far as recovery and drugs and addiction and substance use and all that other jazz. So make sure you check him out. I had a great conversation with him. We just, in the beginning, we just got right into it, talking about uh, relapse and how tough that is and how much shame and guilt that brings on somebody. And then we kind of talked about our experience in jail and how that all went. So hope you guys enjoy this. we got a few more episodes left for the year. And then we have a live podcast with Gary Vaynerchuk on January 5th. I believe that is it. I will confirm that. Obviously, that will be out there and pushed out there very quickly. I am finally working and finishing up the shirts and getting those shipped out. My bad on that epic fail for not getting them out sooner. And you guys are the best. It's been a it's been a very interesting year, challenging year, and I have learned more in the last 365 days than I have in a very long time. So it's been an incredible, challenging, but incredible experience 2020. I love you guys. I will be in touch. Awesome things are happening. And that's about it. All right. Peace. Later. Make it. What is make it for you? Make it. Oh, I've already made it. <laughs> That's a fact. We did. <laughs> yeah. Just being alive today and, and not using is making it. I will agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. I love, I'm trying to remember, I came across your videos. How long have you been doing this? It's been a little bit, right? Your YouTube sober dog stuff. Well, I did, uh, when I first got out, I did like four videos just real old school quality you know my mom was holding the phone and the sound was terrible and everything i did four or five and i started the channel that would have been august 2017 and then i took i put maybe a month into it and then took some time off and um i had november of was it November 16 and, or no, I'm sorry, November 17, November 18, I had relapses both those years, um, right at Thanksgiving. One was like two days and the the last one was like a long weekend. So those, 
set me back a little bit, not a ton, but you know, it's the whole state of mind with it. When that happens, you know, you're beating yourself up, but this was something that, um, putting my energy into after kind of allowed me to, uh, build back up a little bit and not beat myself up so much. So I, I guess to be technical of like serious time and hours, I would say November of 18 is when I've really started putting in, uh, you know, like, when I'm not at work or some recovery or, or exercise event, I'm on the computer doing stuff. Cool. Well, yeah. well, you totally, you just, I think you just set the whole tone for what I think this, where this conversation is going to go. Cause I, I love it. The whole relapse, beating yourself up, just how you explain to me right now, your clean time and whatever, like your sober time and how long you've been in recovery. And for those of us, for those of those who are just listening, I'm doing all these air quotes. And um, <laughs> so let's let's go let's go with this man because I cannot stand. There's this general consensus out there of complete abstinence. General consensus out there, clean time, recovery. I need to get my 30 days, and I got to get my other chips. And you go through these 12 steps, and I'm pretty sure you were a 12. You're a NAAA guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't really stand it. I mean, I went to meetings with buddies all the time but you know it was just something I couldn't do I tried it with a with a coaching app but I feel like that has kind of set because it's been around for so long more so than anything has set the tone for what it means to be in recovery you know abstinence nothing you know which obviously isn't true but I think because of that I've seen so many people relapse and beat the living hell out of themselves man and that always is leads you right back to fuck it. I've gone, I've done this now I'm done. I've seen people slip up, have a couple of drinks, not even be drunk, get kicked out of an Oxford house, have nowhere to go and just totally go back into it. And that like, that shit pissed me off. I had a guy who relapsed in an Oxford house that I was in. Didn't really relapse. He relapsed after he got kicked out because he was, he, his sub count was off, Oh, you know? And that's... so, and I know, but you know, there's so many issues, man, but, Tell me how you kind of work through that beating yourself up thing, because that is the number one thing I see in people when you just the tiniest slip up and it's just like they go way down real quick because there's no recovering from it. Yeah, you, you said it great. It, I go back and forth with this so much. And, and Sean, it's hard, man, because I'm a big 12 step guy. I mm-hmm. I the meetings, you know, have saved my life. I, um, a lot I of people's go, lives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I go multiple times a week and, you know, some of my best friends are people that I've met in meetings, but you're dead right. That whole idea of, you know, 30 days, 60 days a year, all that, for example, in my case, so out of the last four years, I've used eight days, Mm -hmm. but my sober time or date, you know, for when I go to meetings and stuff is 22 months. Cause that was my last, you know, relapse. That was my time relapse. You used, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's like this juggling up in the air. When I look at it, it's like, I've been rebuilding my life for, for four years with a little bit over a week of, you know, bad days. And, uh, I, I like the one, you know, one thing I will always, I like a lot is what they say and what they do with people when you walk back in after a relapse is, you know, we're not going to judge you. A lot of us have done it. Just come back. And I really like that. And I think that's how it should be. As far as me personally, a lot of it just accepting like, you know, okay, I did it. 
You know, it happened. I stopped uh, uh, both times. I kind of, I don't know what or why I knew what it was going on. I knew I was, you know, doing something I shouldn't be doing. And if I continued, it was going to turn into just a day or two more. And I can clear the bank account out and be back in prison and gone. So, uh, Full swing ahead the next day of getting back into whatever your thing is. They're 12 steps. For me, it was 12 steps. The next day, I called my sponsor. I told him what's up. I went back to a meeting, back to work, and just kind of, you know, like the next couple of weeks is going to be a process of slowly stop beating myself up, get back into the swing of things. And uh, I think the hardest part is like family, you know, because a lot of our family just don't get it. So when that happened to them, it's like, oh God, back at square one. And that messed with my mind because mm-hmm. I'm starting to believe that. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, like I, I get it. You guys are petrified and you're scared and I just relapsed on heroin for five days, but that doesn't negate the last nine months, 11 months, two years of rebuilding and clean days and good things that have happened. Yes. $400 is gone, but that's a minor price to pay for being, you know, not that it's good or okay. You know what I <laughs> no, mean? I, but no, I know what it, you mean. Yeah. So, but that, that I don't have an exact like, uh, you know, wording or answer for it. It's just a, a, a slow process of like accepting it happened. Same thing with that kind of anything in life. You know, oh, I had a shitty day yesterday, did this or that. Okay, it's done, it's over. All I could do now is focus on today and move forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good approach for, for a relapse. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think it leads into self-pity, leads into shame. It yeah. leads into so much. And it's people in general struggle to get out of that and who aren't even struggling with substance use or addiction with drugs. I mean, people... Yeah struggle with that every day like how do i get out of it? people cope with it whether it's netflix shopping or whatever mm-hmm. and you, they just kind of get stuck in it so to even to get out of it after you have had nine months of you know sober time or clean time recovery time whatever that means to you that's tough that's yeah. tough and as you said when the family's like oh no freaking out flipping out losing yeah. their minds like i don't know i have i'm trying i don't even honestly I, i'd have to do some math i don't i think i have <laughs> over two and a half years clean yeah. It's just, I'm so tired of being asked. Um, you have, yeah, any, have yeah. any uses, to, uh, urges to use anymore? Are you, are you having any urges or, you know, just being asked? Or I still yeah. feel like I have to explain myself if I say I'm running to the store to get a, like yeah. an energy drink or something and it takes me 30 seconds longer than normal or something. I wait yeah. in it, you know, because I just don't want it. And I have recently, one of the biggest things I've done over the last four months has have repeated to myself, I am not responsible for the feelings of other people. Mm, that is good. That is Dude, I just been, I've been hammering this in my head, man, because it, sometimes it makes me do stupid shit too, like lie. Yeah. And then you get caught in a lie, even though it, you know maybe it's not because you're going to use drugs, but you get caught in a lie and it's like, well, why are you lying? What are you lying about this for? And it's just, it's a, a tumble thing. So I'm not responsible for other people's feelings and emotions and how they think and how they react. Yes, some of my shitty actions in the past, some of my mistakes in the past have caused them to feel this way, but no longer can I do that because I'm not hiding anything. I'm not doing anything wrong. And But it's tough, yeah. dude. It's tough with family. And my family has really educated themselves. They've gone to meetings. They've gone. Yeah. They came out to Horizon all the time. So I think a lot of it is action, too. You know, I, yeah. 
I, I've done the, I'm sure we all have the, I'm sorry, won't happen again. Oh, Give yeah. me another chance a, a million times. None of that meant anything for, for my family and friends. It was seeing what was going on, you know, and they could just see the body language, the behavior, the attitude, um, you know, going, being at wherever on time, little things like that all started to add up to rebuild that trust, but not a single word then or even now really changes it. It's just the action is what is what helps with that. Mm -hmm. But you're so right that that control is huge with addiction or anything, but the whole, like, I can't control anything outside of this, this attitude right now how this person's feeling people pleasing with this person, you know, uh, I go through that right now at work a little bit because we're short staffed because of the whole Corona thing. And like, I catch myself staying an hour too late and putting, you know, priorities, personal priorities on hold mm -hmm. to catch up there. And it's like, oh, these are like people pleasing behaviors because I'm worried about this person's feelings. Well, you know, I, and then I, I, I'm missing, you know, my meeting, my exercise, whatever. I, that's not healthy and that's not good, but that's me worrying about others' feelings over myself or, you know, mm -hmm. I think some of that too is the, the guilt we have from the past, at least for me, being so guilty of what I did during, you know, this 13, 14 year period of addiction. I try to compensate now by being like overly nice sometimes in situations that you know, there's never a time not to be nice, but they just don't call for it. Like volunteering <laughs> yeah. for extra work and stuff that is not my responsibility. I'm mm -hmm. not. And it's my, my brain is like, okay, you know, remember you did this, that, and that in the past. Okay. Well, staying an hour late at work <laughs> is not like fixing, uh, uh, whatever I did 10 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's funny how we get stuck in that. It's weird, man. I don't know. I'm trying to think how you how you deal with it. I'm trying to think how I have dealt with it. Just the guilt in general. Because you don't even want to bring up something if somebody like, you know, my girlfriend did something that bothered me. Yeah. And you want to maybe talk about it like an adult or something, right? And you think, ah, all that shit. Like, I stole how much money out of her purse, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you don't want to do it. And, I, th you know, I think you have to find that balance. Everything comes back to balance. I had yeah balance and communication. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say when I was in Horizon Village, I had everybody, even the counselors, saying the B word for balance because in everything, that's what it comes back to. Yeah, I, I I'm going through that a little bit now too with um, and I'm sure you you do to an uh, to an extent trying to balance work, uh, my full time job with recovery and personal things like, uh, you know, working out, for example, and um, fit, like building, you know, trying to build like sober dogs and, and doing stuff online and things like that, because it can uh, just be demanding. Mm -hmm. So much little things going on. It's a lot. And, and I that balance of where is too busy and I'm not resting and, and focusing on recovery versus Staying very busy, which I like to keep me active and in, in my mind going and everything, but still having a good amount of that rest and, and, and recovery. That's a, a juggling. It is. I find, too, you can also tend to, I see a lot of people do this that are in recovery, and you've seen it pop up and be an issue because of COVID when you're stuck with isolation. 
Yeah. And it goes back to I love I don't know I I don't know if you know who Dr. Gabor Mate is. No. But his saying is it's not why the addiction it's why the pain. Oh. And um you know so he talks about those underlying issues why we're really using and how everybody's kind of doing that in general like he talks about his addiction with buying classical albums (laughs) and like and you kind of laugh at that in his one book but he said he's a you know he was a doctor and he he would he missed a delivery of a baby because he stopped at a store to buy these like these classical albums (laughs) so you know and he talked about that but he always says why not you know the addiction it's not why the addiction why the pain and that kind of gets you to think some people getting to my long drawn out point is yes. I find some people in recovery do that with work or you yeah. know, even exercise, working out. Like oh, I, yeah. I know a buddy who, so you're still kind of not dealing with the underlying issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you, I think you've seen that pop up a lot during COVID is people have still not gotten to the root of what they are. And I, so much of that, at least for me, I don't know if this is the case for everybody else, but it was so much of it was just self-love, man. Like yep. confidence in myself, developing that, getting better with that, forgiving myself, learning, not feeling sorry for myself, learning from my mistakes. And all of a sudden those mistakes become amazing, like something you don't even want to give up. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of kind of dealing with that underlying issue. The problem with that is you got to really go through that shittiness and that darkness and and that's tough and a lot of that i think shown has shown up because people got cut off from their gyms got cut off from even working yeah. and it's tough man you can only watch netflix for so long a lot of self-awareness exactly mm-hmm. and it's interesting in our time too right now uh because it's like People have become experts on on pointing out everyone else's flaws and they said this or did this, but a lot of us don't want to look in the mirror. And I think that it, just like you said, is the core of any recovery. Why do I want to use any and every substance available to man to not be in a straight state of mind? That's what I had to ask mm-hmm. myself, you know, what is it about life or or, or sitting in my own thoughts that is so depressing what what am i avoiding what trauma did it did it go through all these things um and yeah a a ton of it is self-esteem unrealistic expectations Um, i did that for myself in the past so bad i remember like in high school setting expectations that nobody put on me you know my parents were not (laughs) demanding people and, you know, I'd have these expectations of, of this on the football field or this and not hit them and then be met. And like no one else, you know, the coaches, my parents, no one else was like, damn you for not hitting that shit. It was just me in my own head. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be mad and go out and drink to a blackout. It just, yeah, it's weird. But that self, I, I still struggle with that self-love a lot. That's definitely a daily thing of saying, you know, I, I'm worth it, you know, good enough you know, all those sayings or whatever might seem corny, but it's true. You know, they're (laughs) so true. Well, they're cliche for a reason, right? They're annoying to hear because you hear them all the time because it's true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But in something as simple as like um, my sponsor, he had me, he's like, I want you to look in the mirror, smile at yourself and and say you love yourself in the morning. And that is the most awkward (laughs) weirdest thing at least for me and i'm sitting there like giggling or do 
you know, almost like I would jump to, you know, a joker comedy and a, a real life awkward conversation with myself. And I'm like, wow, like that, that kind <laughs> of is a, a, a blaring light. Like yeah. this is an issue I got to work on. If it's that hard or if I don't think it's real, then there's some type of underlying serious self-esteem thing going on here. Yeah, I feel it comes back a lot to the whole, I guess we think we know ourselves, but we really don't know ourselves. We think because we know our favorite color and our favorite food and what we want to do next Friday that we know who we are and you know, <laughs> what my favorite football team is or hockey team or whatever, yeah. but we have no idea who we are. And when you can figure out how to like watch yourself as a complete stranger, this clinical psychologist I love always talks about that. Just learn to watch yourself objectively. And I think he goes into in his one yeah. lux his one lecture. He talks about like a state a snake, you know, with no feeling, no emotion, no no nothing, just staring and watching. And you know, and ask yourself why do you react a certain way when somebody says something, or and you become curious like that, and you become more curious, and you answer these questions, and all of a sudden you start you know observing how you're reacting emotionally and how you're reacting physically or whatever it is to whatever is going on in your environment at the time or. And you become, uh, you become like very intelligent on who you are. You start to get to know yourself, and you start to be able to work with yourself, and you start to realize your shitty things, and then how you can use those for good. And I mean, it's just such a journey, but it's a scary as hell journey <laughs> that yeah. so many of us don't want to take. That's a great point. That's a very interesting way to look at it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to incorporate that more. You're dead on with that. <laughs> so many of us don't want to take it. Yeah, it's, it's like. Um, oh. Not at all. I heard, I heard something on the radio a while back uh, about finances, and it was uh, it was like six out of ten American couples would rather have back-to-back -back root canals than look at their finances, have a deep dive in their finances with an accountant. And uh, to me, that like that saying encompassed a lot of me and society. Like, no, is it going to involve me doing extra work or like digging <laughs> deep into some emotions? No, but uh, it really does get to the core. It's it's the, the way you got to do it. And another part of that I was thinking, which is really interesting, you were talking about COVID and how that made a lot of people have to reflect. The same thing with that is a lot of the isolation of COVID whether we're Netflixing, uh, exercising in the basement or whatever, that's a lot of time in our own heads. And yes, I think a is. lot of people, yeah, started to realize like, what are my thoughts on a daily basis? Why is this and that coming in? Why, you know, a lot of that uh, uh, circling around. Uh, unfortunately, I had a lot of experience with that in solitary, in prison. So I kind of kind of knew how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, almost forced to because you don't really have a choice in there. Um, but that's also one of the reasons why I fought uh, COVID so much uh, when it first happened. And even to, right to today, like there's still a huge part of me that's like, fuck this, you know, I'm going wherever I want to go, whatever they say. <laughs> and a lot of that is this deeper thing of like fighting back the system of, you know, mm -hmm. from being isolated and solitary and all that. But yes, yeah, time with ourselves is uh, can be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. I just podcasted yesterday. I just quoted Carl, the Carl Jung quote, people will do anything no matter how absurd to avoid facing their own darkness. Mm. And it's, yep. yeah, it's true, man. We'll do, we'll do anything to avoid it. Absolutely. 
And that's why you've seen so many, you know, relapses, so many just struggles with things, people struggling. Yep. You get put alone with yourself. You're, you got to face yourself. And another one too is, is uh, simple. It's like boredom. Boredom yeah. uh, to me, it, uh, a killer. And there's all these like little tasks that can and should be done, but I've trained my brain over the years. And I think many people have to view them as, you know, annoying and, and menial, tedious, whatever, but you know, two hours of Netflix or, you know, I could organize and go through my mail and the mail sit there for a week. And it's like, why <laughs> does my brain view that as such a big task when it's not? Oh, so, man. Yeah. A little thing I like to do too is, is um, a lot of the, you know, I'm sure you listen to some of the same people, motivational people talking about like trying to retrain your brain with, this isn't a annoying, terrible task. This is something essential. I got to do it. I, I, I should do it. I want to do it. I want to progress. I want to get organized. And I like to do that too with uh, like boredom time. Cause I know for me, pure boredom will lead to relapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cleaning the room or something like that is it, not just this annoying chore from being a teen. It's all right, it's, it's better to be organized. I know where things are. I feel better when it's clean. Back to the psychology, like you're saying, of just, you know, self-talk almost. It's funny you say that your room, literally and metaphorically, that's great. <laughs> clean your room, like if you have a clean room. I would love yeah. to see studies. I should look to see if there's one done. I'm sure there's some done. But of studies of people whose homes and areas are a mess, what they're like psychologically. Like if they struggle out with anxiety, if they're just a mess and all over the place, you know, as opposed to, you know, or vice versa. I'm just curious because I feel like at least my mind, I can see over the last few years, I've been more organized. My room's always clean. I'm always making my bed, picking up after myself, putting things back where I got them. And just those little things that I never used to do. Do you think that's a a habit that you got from like rehab? Because I know a lot of rehab. Yeah, yeah. Develop those out of those places. And I, I kind of did a little bit too at uh, at Willard, which is like the, uh, you know, the military yep. boot camp. They, they make you, you know, clean and fold everything and inspection. Some of those habits have stuck over. Good old Willard. <laughs> yeah, Willard. I, I, I enjoyed Willard. I know it could be a, it's like who wants to be up at 5 a.m. getting screamed at by some guard. Yeah. You big nose Italian, get down, give me 50 push-ups, you son of a bitch. But um, <laughs> that shit makes me laugh, dude. I'd be laughing yeah. and be doing push-ups till I died. Yeah, yeah, you'd be on. Well, they basically, te- you know, they test everybody the first week and they see who's going to be the asshole. And they kind of, it, it's pretty, you know, after two, three weeks, they know like, Bob, Bill, and Jim are the ones that are going to give me attitude. And they they target them more. I would just shut up and do it, do it said, and they kind of, you kind of yeah. lumped into the pack at that point. Yeah, in case people are wondering, Willard is basically not military jail, but jail that's kind of what run like a military-style boot camp. And yeah, it's, it cuts exactly. time off your sentence, right? They basically give you an option. Like in my case, it was you could do a year uh, parole violation in regular prison, which, you know, you get up almost whatever time you want, eat chips, work out in the yard, watch football, and you might have a four hour day job. Yeah, there's all the other BS that goes on, but not 
the worst of situations. Or you could do Willard, which is all said and done. It's a 97-day program plus the waiting time. It usually ends up being like four or five months. But Willard, you're going to be up at 5 a.m., mm-hmm. you know, exercise, PT. You got to march everywhere you go. Um, you got like eight minutes to eat and, you know, anything left on your plate. You know, it, they don't do it as much anymore. But like if you had food left on your plate, they would, uh, you know, put it in your pocket and you had to wear it all day. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they would they would marry guys. So if two guys got in a fight, they give them an option like you get kicked out or you guys have to hold hands every day for a week, everywhere you go, everything you do. Yeah, it's crazy and it breaks people down in a good way too. I mean, some of the big, bad, gangster, tough guys learn real quick like, I ain't holding this dude's hand anymore. (laughs) It's either go with the flow or get kicked out and go do your dive. And I mean, that's your choice. Oh yeah. And those, those big tough guys, man, in in the jail, they they don't want to have anything to do with homosexuality, bro. No. I'm telling you right now. I, I remember I made a joke to one day. This wasn't even jail. This was rehab. But this dude, this dude did some years and he was just a tiny little dude. But I made a joke to him. I was pretty actually good friends with him. But I made a joke. I was like, hey, you know, another dude was calling him. I was like, your boyfriend wants you. He was like, yo, man, don't fucking play like that. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> dude, and I told you, I started, I laugh when people get angry over stupid things yeah. like that. Like, seriously, you're going to, you're about to fight me and get kicked out of, out of all of this and go back to jail because of that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what you're getting upset about. But, and so I laughed and I'm just like, oh man, I was like, I'm sorry, man. You're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. That's- that would have been funny. That was my probably the hardest thing I encountered trying to uh, um, adapt to jail and prison was like uh, somebody I sat and played cards with every day for six months, six hours a day, ate with. And, and you know, for the people who don't know, when you eat with somebody in jail, it's kind of like a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. if, I, if you allow me and I allow you to sit at our table with each other, like we're somehow cool with each other. Yeah, that's where and, all your uh, clicks are. Yeah. And um, after all that, one little sentence and this person's ready to just fight on the spot. Mm -hmm. If it's a homosexual, you know, joke or whatever, if it's whatever about something's mom, something's sister. Oh, dude, it's like you're back in 1994. Yeah. And, And like. I, I, the way I grew up with my buddies, I mean, we're jabbing each other oh. with, with ver- verbal blasts all day. So this was to me like so foreign that that joke and that joke and that joke and this that don't fly at all. You know? <laughs> oh no. It's like walking on eggshells. It really can be. But again, like a lot of the things we've been talking about, it, it's adapt or die almost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I've, uh, dude, I've seen some people break down after like two days. In jail. Like, are you kidding me? Like, holy cow, dude. You better not do anything else to get back in here. Yeah. Two days. Two days you're in here and you're like, people are like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Like, all right, dude, you need to calm down. Like, people can't accept it. They can't accept. Speaking of like downtime, it's a switch. You either deal with it, you're good, or you're not. There's no in between Mm -hmm. because you got it. And I was, I mean, I did three months. So I wasn't even doing long. I I didn't do anything long, but it is, you know, I, it's immediately like you got to do it. You got to flip a switch. Yeah. Or and else that, that you're not going to last or you're going to, it's going to be the longest drawn out. However, many moments of your life. Yeah. When I first got there, 
Uh, they put me in like the medical unit for five days to detox and um, I just slept that time off. And then they put me in a regular unit with like 50 guys and uh, I just went up, I threw my mat down on the floor, I laid down and I went right to bed, didn't set anything up, whatever, didn't clean up. And uh, on the third day, the guard came and he knocked on my, you know, they woke me up in between to mm-hmm. make sure I was alive, but he came in the room and he's like, all right, kid, here's the deal. I know you're withdrawing. I know you're feeling like shit. And I'm on like day eight or nine now. So it's starting to get a little better, but you can't just sleep on your bed the whole time. You haven't eaten. If you don't eat this next meal, they're going to pull you out of here and force feed you with an intravenous feeding tube. Number one, (laughs) number two, there's throw up all over your cell. I know it's yours because it wasn't in here before. Clean it up, get up, move around. You'll feel better. And he just like, you know, berated me but in a good way and I got up and I ate something and I started walking around a little bit and I did feel a ton better because just hiding in that little ball of self-pity and depression and isolation didn't help at all I was I just couldn't accept it could not accept where I was what had happened and that's huge man that's huge accepting accepting it that's huge because it's funny. As soon as I was in there, it took me by the time I was even in the little the detox area when I first got in. I th- at that point I already accepted it. I was like, "Fuck!" Really? <laughs> oh, I did. I was just like, "All right, I got to do this. I gotta, you know, keep my head up, see what what." Because I had no idea. This is my first experience ever going going behind bars at all, and so I'm I'm like, "All right, I got to be hyper hyper aware." My withdrawal, yeah. my withdrawal in jail was nothing. I was just so in the moment compared to like when I tried to get clean on my own. Uh, It took me like weeks (laughs) when I was trying to get on my own because you're constantly fighting. Like I can go get something. I could go get something to end this right now and I'll feel great, you know, for a few minutes anyway. But that's one of the best ways I've tried to um, explain it to people. Uh, Some I've had people ask me, you know, who've never done heroin, drugs like that. What what is withdrawal like and why do people like kind of use or relapse during withdrawal? Why is it so hard to not? And, you know, the best way I could kind of put it is imagine you have the worst flu of your life times it by 10 and then add on extreme depression and anxiety. And then imagine that there's this pill you could buy that the second you snort it or inject it or whatever you do, all of those symptoms go away. And you don't just go back to normal. You go above normal for a little while. And it's like, that's the the pull to it is, oh, I can snort that line and the diarrhea, the throwing up, the anxiety, (laughs) the restless leg, all of it goes away. I could sleep. Wow. Of course I want to do that. The problem is, Six hours later, the cycle yeah. starts again and usually gets worse. Oh, it's not fun. I do not. I no. dude, I do not miss it. I can. I have not fantasized about using what I've got. Every time I think of the past and like using, I get literally get knots in my stomach. I had to yes. drive through. Where did I just drive? Oh, you're not even from here. Like I'm going to name the street. <laughs> But, you know, I just drove somewhere, you know, that was, it's been quite some time since I was driving out that way and I was going, yeah. going to do a podcast and I just got sick to my stomach, man. Oh, dude. I just, that attachment, that attachment to everything, like that needing it yeah. to function, that needing it to just feel normal. Like at the end, you're just trying to feel normal. Yeah. And even that's a struggle. It's like, oh, I do not miss yeah. that. I do not miss it. 
That's good. That, that, that's like you can always look at the worst. I've had, I've had both. I, I've had some, you know, uh, bad cravings, so to speak. And then uh, some of that to where really looking at, you know, especially with other people, I've seen other people like on, on, on day one and I'm like, I am oh, so yeah. glad I'm not there. And not even the physical is the, uh, the hopelessness. Mm-hmm. You know, my brain would always be like, Somebody would be like, you know, hey, you know, in two weeks, you'll be feeling better and you could start rebuilding like two weeks. <laughs> you know, my brain couldn't comprehend any of that. It was just what? Like the anxiety oh, that was in front of my face for like I could see maybe two seconds into the future. And it was just a black hole of depression. Like, I can't get out of this. I can't get past this. You're talking about weeks. and. I'm worried about the next five seconds oh of how I'm not going to have a mental breakdown. And that cycle just goes back and forth. So that, that in that sense, that's where I think like clean time is important um, of like breaking that big, you know, the first maybe 60, 90 days when I would think about using and stuff is a lot of the euphoric recall, mm-hmm. the real pleasure. I could still get sweaty and, and heart racing, thinking about getting high. But as time goes on, it doesn't, it, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker uh, to like, you know, trying to remember, I don't know, something that happened four years ago. It's like a, a lot less or taste yep. like something I tasted. That to me is an important part of clean time. And I, I guess kind of obvious for anything, like the longer you could stay away, hopefully the less brain attachment and euphoric recall if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's that's something a lot of people, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest hurdles, man, is getting over that. Because when, you, when you're thinking about it and you get that little uppity, it, everything kind of happens in my gut. I'm very gut-oriented, so like yeah. negative or positive, and like you kind of get that excitement or whatever. Yeah, it's no yeah. bueno. That, that's, yeah. a, that's a tough one. I remember- No, bu- no bueno. I love no it. bueno. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say, what I forgot earlier. And it was funny Uh because I totally just came back to me. And it's funny because it kind of relates to a lot of what we talked about thus far. And we were talking about getting to know yourself. And that reminded me before, you know, I was thinking about how, and you talked about balance and this is what made it click is you talk about kind of your balance of your work and, you know, just things you enjoy. And I realized when I, now that I've kind of found my passion and what I love to do, that's kind of a, it's a weird line to find between, doing something for fun and doing it for work. And when you get to know yourself, you really get to know what you really like and what you want to do. And, you know, besides being a rock star or a Hollywood movie star, and you start finding a passion. And when you find a passion, that line between personal and professional gets really blurry because when you're doing something you really love and majority of that job and that work is something you absolutely love doing, it's tough to uh, kind of decipher the two. But that's what I was going to say. Another bonus of getting to know who you are. Yeah. And I bet you that feeds back into what you were saying earlier. So because you love it so much, and I can relate to that too, how and where and when do I start asking for money, pushing the limits of yeah. monetization? Because like, I would love to, you know, I, I didn't want to start this. And I, I, from what I know of you, it had nothing to do with money. It, it's a passion. It's It's a recovery thing. It's a lot of of helping others, but helping ourselves. But then it gets to a point where like, 
okay, I'm, I'm spending, you know, 45 hours a week on this. I'm spending $300 a week, $400 a week. I have to somehow incorporate money to justify, sustain all of that, uh, this passion. Um, but I think if you follow the passion, it doesn't feel like working and the money will find its way and it comes. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, it goes back to that self-confidence, self-love, self-worth and realizing that, okay, I put time into learning these skills. Somebody's benefiting from them. I deserve to get paid. And really most people are cool with that when you're upfront and yeah. honest about that. And so I think that's a super you know important thing. So, but real quick, cause we've been, we have not even brought up your YouTube channel, Sober Dog and all that. And, you, and I love your videos, man. Are They make me laugh just because they're straight up raw and authentic. And you're like, you think you want to do crack? Think again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Crack makes you feel this way. And I just love because yeah. stuff like that isn't really talked about. No. Like, and I think it's important. Like a lot of people, oh, my son, my son smoked crack and was addicted to heroin, but I don't know anything about it. I mean, so do yeah. do you find a lot of is it a lot of just people in recovery that kind of contact you or yet you're in touch with, or do you find family members as well? Family members, that's a great point. Um, both, but definitely family members too. That was one of the biggest things. Uh, I, I wrote an article in the beginning when I first started the website called 16, 16 Common Items You Didn't Know Drug Addicts Use," and um, just wrote this article, maybe took me a couple hours and I didn't put any extra effort into it. Just something I was like, you know what? There's all these little tools like a hollowed out pen mm -hmm. and uh, hose clamps and, um, you know, the Brillo for a crack pipe that people don't know about. Yeah. That article gets 150 page views every single day for the last two years. And I cannot tell you how many people, including my own mother, who were like, I had no idea when I looked on your desk and saw those hollowed out pens, that's what it meant. And that's what I try to get across in some of the videos too, of like, when you see this or you hear this, this is what I was feeling. This is what it meant. Cause you're right with people. They don't talk about it a lot. Like, you know, uh, Coke bugs is, yep. is a big one too. I got cocaine paranoia to the extreme and it always manifested in bugs and people just have no idea you know, to me, that was like a perfect video of explaining, like, this is what can happen. And if somebody that you know that is using excessive cocaine is talking about they got lice and scabies and they're itching and bugs are everywhere. This is what's happening. This is what I was feeling during that time. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's a great. It's very important. Yeah, it's a great way to go and approach things. I don't I haven't found much out there like it, man. I love it. It's not overproduced. It, I think it's great. So, I, I mean, I was like, we well, have to plug this. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just YouTube.com slash Sober Dogs. Or if you type in Sober Dogs, uh, you know, on Google, there's there's a girl who does, like, drawings, uh, 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 cartoon drawings. Besides her, everything else is me. Um, I, uh, so the website, the, everything on Instagram, I'm Sober Dogs, to all the other social media, Sober Dogs. So pretty much anywhere, but that's where you can find me. Cool. Yeah, and I will, I will link everything when I post this and all that other jazz, your YouTube awesome. channel, I'll put all, I'll get all that info and stuff from you. Yeah, definitely. We got to do uh we got to definitely do a, a collab too on YouTube, just a video like this or whatever. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah we'll we'll stay in touch. Channel. For sure. Absolutely, buddy. 
Yeah, we'll do that. Go ahead. You talk, you talk to Gary Vee at all again? I'm still in the process of communicating. I mean, I've communicated with them. We're still in the process of trying to get a date. Last time they said they're planning out the rest of his year scheduling and they were going to get back with me in within probably two weeks. So it's been about that now. So we'll see. Okay. Cool. We'll That's see what awesome, happens. Bro. So happy for your success, man. That's incredible. And it, it's something you love. Yeah. That- it's, it's not here yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. Hey, it's a success <laughs> every day, bro. Every day. That's right. Yeah. Sweet. Hey, Kyle, how do you pronounce your last name? That's what I forgot to ask you. Rogeri. Rogeri. All right. Perfect. Yep. Kyle Rogeri. Yep. Just needed on recording. All right, dude. I will stay in touch with you. I got your number, your email. I'll let you know when this is coming out and I'll get all some, some info from you for the description. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Not a problem, bro. Later. All right. Have a good one, buddy.